0: hey team welcome to the ls podcast today i got a very special guest um this guy he's got a very extensive strength conditioning resume his name is kev tunin and I've known him for, well, I've known odd of him for a couple of years now. i actually seen him in a men's health magazine. That's how I kind of got onto him. And um, from there, I started following his journey and, you know, I started following him on social media and then following his, his training principles through strength and conditioning. And he's got a pretty good resume, you know, training high top NRL athletes, Army Special Forces and athletes for television. So, um, Kev, thanks for joining me on today's podcast, man
1: welcome bro yeah thanks for bringing up the men's health as well
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I thought i'd put that in there there because it's kind of it's pretty funny but I, it had to be done so um you, I, you weren't on the the front cover but you had a very very interesting article in that um men's health <laughs> magazine that i read
1: yeah they got to try and sell these things so it's probably best not to have me on the front cover <laughs>
0: So, (laughs) so Kev, for the guys who um, haven't heard about you or know your story, um, I'd love to kind of open the floor with yourself and kind of give us a rundown about, you know, yourself, your background, um, what kind of got you into what you're doing now, man?
1: Sure, yeah. Yeah, so um, I was always interested in in training and things like that. Like I spent, um, I guess, early years, um, I had had a choice growing up with my dad um, when I I think when I was about nine or ten, I think. I can remember, like, in the mornings, we are allowed to do two things, or one one of two things. He would he said, we can either run or we can swim. We've got to pick one. And that was Monday to Friday. So very early on, I was, like, either running or swimming. Sometimes in winter, um, and this is Queensland, so it's not rigid for the half of winter, but he would say, like, no, nah, we've got to go and swim because, um, like, you've got to make sure that your, your, your mind is in charge of your body and blah, blah, blah. Like, I didn't understand any of that shit. I just thought he was being a prick. But um, – <laughs> Yeah, he, he's it, it, that's where it sort of started for me. And then uh, I got involved with combat sports um, by him. So uh, he was an Australian judo champion. Um, and then myself and my two sisters got involved in judo as well. Um, they sort of fell by the wayside. I kept going until I think I was like 16 or 17. Um, I became a state champion myself. Uh, and then like a dickhead, just um, just left it, left it go and um, did a bit of rugby at school, thought I was going to be, you know, the next wallaby. Uh, got injured, like, uh, pretty badly. I had a shoulder reconstruction, um, I think, in year 11. Uh, and the rehab process and all those sort of things, sort of like what kicked me into gear uh, outside of year 12 to start looking at this. And I went to university, I think, for about eight or nine months uh, to do back in the day what we called human movements which, which is basically a cert for but you spent three years doing it um, and I, yeah it wasn't long before i sort of realized that um i was wasting my time and, and by wasting my time i just didn't think at the end of it that i was going to get what i wanted and i also didn't know my place within the world either like i had this this idea of like how, how am i supposed to call myself a man or what am i supposed to do if i have never been tested. I walked past some recruiting office. Um, I saw they had a big TV, and this was back in the day when the TVs had big backs on them. They weren't the flat screens we we'll see now. It was probably on a VHS player, I'd say, too. Um, and there was, like, like dudes coming out of helicopters and running around. I thought, like, that's that looks pretty cool. When I was the recruiter, he sold me the dream. He's like, you've playing sport, mate. You'll love the Army. It's great. You definitely want to do the infantry. It's as well all sport is, blah, blah. blah. I'll just let you know, for 20 years in the army, I played one game of rugby. Um, so, I was fucking lied. That's what I do. Um, yeah, and then, um, I actually thought I'd do four years in the army, do my contract, make a bit of money. If anyone out there who's in the military, you know full well you don't make any money. Um, and, uh, anyone who's been in the military knows as well that physicality makes the job so much easier. You know, like, and you also don't want to be the weakest guy in the team. Uh, you want to be the strongest guy. I always thought, like, by being stronger, being fitter, being faster, I could take a bit of the burden off the others if I needed to. Um, so that, that's sort of what sort of got me going. And um, I spent, like, like a, a great amount of time, like a, and I really enjoyed my time in infantry. I thought it was excellent. Um, you know, I loved, loved, loved the deployments, loved, loved the guys. I spent time in recon and snipers again what the physicality really helps um and, and yeah i just i wanted to do more and more and more um of that sort of stuff and i sort of come to the to the sort of like a crossroads where i was like fuck, you know like you can't pull the trigger and throw a grenade for the rest of your life there may be something else you know that, that needs to happen um looked at like what my options were um looked at the like the physical training side of things went down that route ended up um sort of enjoying it, but being disillusioned by the, by the time I sort of got in there. And I had a chance meeting with um, uh, Ben Frank, who was a major at the time. He's a major SOSR. Um, and we were talking about training one day and he's like, oh, hey, you'd really like um, where we are. So um, I ended up like, I guess, balling my way um, over to, uh, to Perth and I just, like, I loved it. Like, I loved it over there. So the way I would ex- explain SSR and, um, and I guess the SOCOM itself is that in the regular Army and the regular Defence Force, you, you've got a lots of handbrakes, um, you know, human handbrakes that just say fucking note everything all the time or like, nah, we've always done it this way. This is what we always do. Where at you know, within SOCOM, there's not many handbrakes. It's just people that go, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, let's just go for it. Like, let's see. And, and there's more money. So we didn't have any handbrakes. Um, Fronky had asked us to put together a, a human performance cell. Um, and then I got, I guess like a fire hose worth of information the next couple of years of, you know, he was like, hey, you, you, you've got to put this thing together, go and do whatever you need to do, go and learn whatever you need to learn. And um, so we, we sort of went down that route. It, it, it kicked up with, in terms of like, I redid the selection program, um it picked up into two commando as well we ended up leaving SSI, going to socom or i don't even know what it's called anymore so tech or all the acronyms these days but <laughs> the special forces training center um in uh sydney where i, did, like, I redid the training there worked on selections for, for both units um even in the um um the other units like the the engineer units and things like that. They had their own little selection force to go into the um, the SOCOM as well, heavily involved in that. And then uh, there was this real interest in pushing women into special forces as well. Um, So a friend of mine, she was the first female to attend SASR selection. We put a lot of effort into her um, because the, you know, you know, anyone in the infantry or, you know, and maybe 10, 15 years ago, if, if someone had mentioned the women in in the combat you would have just laughed and said like oh you know come on they can't do what we can do um fast forward and i'm a big believer in that like male female it doesn't matter it should be best person for the job and then when we rip down a person structurally it's hey there's only about three to five percent difference in terms of like you know ligament tendon muscle bone that sort of stuff um between males and females and then Towards the end of the endurance spectrum, women tend to fare better than men. Um, so I did a lot of work there. That picked up a lot of interest up in Canberra as well, um, as, as it does, because it was probably you know, like the, the thing being thrown around a fair bit was like, you know, women and women in combat, women in special forces. Everyone thought that was fucking awesome. Uh, the female that was was was, applying, was was trying to do it, she didn't care about any sort of shit. She was uh, just a good operator. Didn't make it through. She attempted it twice. And it was simply turned up to, in, into like a, uh, I guess a body weight thing where she was probably sixty five kilos ring wet, and she was carrying her body weight in, in a pack, you know. And that's, that's ultimately what um, what sort of stopped it. Um, when I got, I found out SoCom were doing an app. Um, I don't know, called Sophic or Soft something or you know. Anyway, when we were putting the app together, I realised that all the information going on that app was all my information. I was like, you know what, fuck this. I'm going to get out and do my own thing. Um, But I was heavily interested in sport by then. Um, I'd done some work with the Western Force. Um, So I sort of floated out of the army into uh, contracting to some of these teams, worked with Rugby Union, worked with um, guys from the All Blacks and the Wallabies. Um, And then I just started getting athletes coming in uh, and doing pre-seasons with me i got um uh injured players and older players from different nrl clubs and then you know i ended up uh, getting offered um uh, the snc c role um at the roosters which i did for three years um so the, the coach trent offered me that job um i've worked with cricket but with with dave warner and that's where i met um his uh his wife candice who's probably Ten times tougher than any other person on the planet. <laughs> um, verbal issues, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and then and, and where I am now, like I got really, I'm always been interested in combat sports. I've always always interested in in field sports, um, and so I've worked a little bit with combat athletes as well. And and where I am now is you know like a, a bald you know early forties year old man um, with a bear, beard that sort of got pepper in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at.
0: <laughs> um, what's up with this whole pink sweater thing? Like I, I gotta ask you then. What's no. up with that?
1: <laughs> Someone like the traction of this pink sweater is like and it's it's not pink, it's tan, but the more I argue it's like, you know, the, the more it seems to to get traction. Um I think it's because for so long, I guess like my personality, I just wear black and white and, and that's it. Um <laughs> my my girlfriend got me this this and I love the track, it's awesome. I wear it all the time. Um, but I got caught with color on Instagram, and next thing you know, everyone's like, You're wearing a pink jumper, it's just pink. But so now I just wasn't play up to it, you know. Now it's a whole thing. Time. It's if for it's, anyone yeah. who doesn't
0: know, yeah. Kev's been he wears pretty much black all the time, and then he came <laughs> out with a colored um sweater, and everyone fucking jumped on it. So I thought that was mm-hmm. hilarious. Um, and I thought oh, I'd bring. <laughs> i thought i'd bring Ooh. it up now but um it's super interesting like your career and the progression of everything and i guess like what do you think is do you feel like a lot of things have changed when when you first got into the army you know strength conditioning or fitness compared to what it is now because it seemed like they kind of utilize you as like a vehicle per se to like fill you up and then kind of help design the next kind of I don't phase of you know the the future of training so like kind of walk us through like what do you think has changed in terms of is it the mindset or like do they just realize that injuries was a big thing in the army
1: yeah so where we've started especially at the SASR was we sort of realized we were breaking more people than we were making you know it takes um you know you're only making worldwide Uh, a tier one operator you might make a hundred of these guys a year and that's out of like five or six different countries um and then when you think about the the degradation of these guys over time so what you were getting is a sharp incline or sharp increase of skill level and then a really like steep incline or or decline sorry of, of physicality so we would one side of the, the spectrum, we were just pouring knowledge into skill sets and techniques into these guys. And then and down the other side, we were like, I you know, was seeing hips and knees and ankles and shoulders. So something was amiss in, in the training. So, really forecast forward, you're like, hey, we may run out of dudes um, if we keep going this way. Um, so, we, yeah, uh, you know, and, and again, the unit should, you know, the unit did this. The unit was like, Fuck, let's fix the problems um so we sort of went out and had a look at like what, what all the, the other tier one units doing, how are they how are they doing? We looked at sport and sports obviously have got a great template, but it, it's really hard to put that template across the military, as you know, because, you know, sporting teams, individual athletes are expected to, you know, perform their best when they're feeling their best. And a military or tactical athlete is expected to perform their best in the worst possible situation when they're feeling the worst. Um, and the mechanism of injury is never going to go away, you know, and that's like sleep deprivation, shitty food, fucking like in foreign countries, heavy load. And you can't be like, Hey boss, uh, this pack weighs too much. I can feel too good. You know, you just could be like, that's your shit got to carry it. So the idea was like, all right, so let's address the issue. And let's look at strength training now, you know, back in the day, it was, pull-ups, push-ups, you know, lots of bench press because, you know, fuck, we wore long pants. Why do you need to worry about the legs? Um, you know, and we were like, you know, the biggest bench is the best guy. And then, when you know, the army has lots of running and it, we used to run every morning um, and run. And that was the idea of fitness. Uh, so, yeah, we were, we were pretty lucky um, in, in terms of like we we're at this pivotal change where they were like, hey, if you can do something that's better, go and go and change it you know so oh yeah i I think what what made a big difference was a the appetite uh for the unit but b the fact that we we come across some really good information and then the wider army were like yeah we we need to take this up now unfortunately i still hear the stories where like guys in the unit are still like "Mm, not much has changed or something's had changed i think lots of stuff would change because you look at the average Military gym, there's squat racks. People are squatting, deadlifting, and moving around. You know, for me and, and I like I, I I don't dislike CrossFit, but CrossFit found its way in the military, and it was. Yeah, I think it's really bad to put a stop clock or a stopwatch on a bunch of alpha males and say, you know, whoever wins this is the fucking best. And then technique goes out the window, you know. Like it's really, really, it's it's a it's a fun sport to watch on TV. it it doesn't have much of a place you know you're like you're not gonna do guilty as charged
0: yeah guilty as charged
1: (laughs) and me too like me too i did exactly that i was like fuck this is great i feel like dog shit it must mean it's really good for me um you know i can kick my way through a window if i need to that's now i can handstand walk my way across you know when you think about it when you sort of reverse engineer you're like you know what i really need to do is get like stronger lower back, stronger abs, like strong hamstrings, and my knees don't break. And and I need to look at the template of the mission profile that keeps coming up. I mean, you think about how many times you've ever had to rip your shirt off, wear a hat backwards, and wear one knee sleeve in a combat mission. Like well, it doesn't happen that often. Um, and another thing I thought about CrossFit is like it's really one plane of movement. Like it's sort of the singular plane where sport combat is in multiple planes. So we need to address all those things as well. Um, mm-hmm yeah so that's um that's what i found it it, 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 i I think it's better now than it was before and i think it always should be evolving and we i I think what we've done now is address the education issue but you still got a lot of old balls in there just like you know refusing or take their foot off the brake so much like we know what best practice is like you know we've been doing it for years it's just you know, I guess it's the posting cycle makes a big difference too. Like if you only spend two or three years in a place, you don't have a lot of time to affect change. And then the next guy comes in or the next girl comes in and is like, oh, I think that would be a really good idea. Oh, I'll fucking change it all again and again. Like, you know, I think it's good and it's bad, but I I have only seen it get better. You know, so hopefully it just continues to get better. But I have I have seen at least you know there's a really good guy called Bal Gorman. I think he's um, in Pucker at the moment. The Dales, uh, Woe 1 or uh, Woe 2, and so progressive with his S&C stuff, and he he puts a lot of effort into it. And, um, you know, uh, but there's there's not enough of those guys. You know, we need more of those guys. And unfortunately, um, (laughs) people get annoyed with the military and just leave. And then a lot of the good guys and girls leave because of their creativity and their ability to... To make effective change, sort of stops. Um, and I was just lucky because I had like guys like uh, you know Ben Prong and you know Tim Curtis. You know, those guys were very, very easy to get along with. The guys in um, you know uh, in Sydney at the SF Training Centre were like, yeah, let's just go for it. Let's just see what we can do." Um, having good leadership makes a big difference in that in that area
0: yeah 100 percent. and i guess going back to um one of the points you made before about you know females going through you know selection and i think that's a, an amazing thing as well what do like the female like if there's a female listening to this now wanting to kind of go through that kind of direction like what do they need to think about like com- that might be different from me like per if i was going to f- through selection like is there anything that they need to consider um if they're going to go down that route
1: yeah, yeah. So you, you got to remember too, like hormone profiles play a big difference. And I hope, like, am not going to get into gender specifics here? But uh, um, you know, with males and females, there there is a there is a difference in your hormone profile. We naturally have more testosterone. We also carry more muscle mass in certain areas as well. And, and that, that's me, you know, being quite specific. But that that's for most people or most, most males and females. So you're looking at anywhere between six to twelve months for the bit- difference between a male and a female of the same program. And that's because they haven't got the testosterone, uh, which aids in the recovery and, and muscle building strength, you know, because strength funnily enough is the underlying uh, factor that, that underpins injury, which therefore um, helps with tr- further training, you know? So um, females need to be prepared to first off like Go at it from a like, oh, okay, this is going to take me six to twelve months longer than what it takes a male to do. So if a male takes one year, it may take them eighteen months to two years to get to the same level. It's just a time frame thing, and that's because of, you know, hormone levels and 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 things like that. Um, and the there's, you know, there's there's evidence to suggest there that like the the hips and the Q angle makes a big difference. They're, they're more prevalent to ACLs and things like that. So they probably could do with a lot more hamstring stuff and reactive strength things uh or, or, or movements, agility work. Um, and, and, and then we're also like, you know, you're looking at the fact too, like this this is the same too for like a a small male like they need to be stronger as well so you can draw comparisons across but generally females take a just a little bit longer and then the next thing too is like you know there's not too many females in the scheme of things that want to go and do that job either mm. um that's another thing like the the defense force forgot about is like oh we want 15 percent women I'm like cool go find 15 percent of australian women that actually want to do that shitty job like it's tough enough finding good dudes to do it like go find some good women like we, we're gonna we're gonna really struggle, and, that, and that's something that like you know I was really passionate about was like making sure that you know the one thing the military is really good is like I will fill a quota. How do we do that? Oh, fuck, we'll just drop the standard. You know, what's everyone getting? You know, on the beat tests, uh, oh, we want them to get nine point five. They're only getting eight. So we'll make it seven point five. You know, <laughs> that way that looks good on paper. Um, and you see that with, with all of these you know, these you know emergency services. It's like it's it's you shouldn't be planning for your easiest day. You've got to plan for your worst possible day because that's that's when it matters. Um, but in, in general, females got a, a little bit more work to do. Um, but I've found in, in over the years they're, they're so much they're easier to coach, they less ego. And the reason they're easier to coach is because they've got to be more technically minded. Um, whereas a guy will be like, my squat's fucking brilliant, and then just will bash himself until the squat breaks or his hips break and then go, all right, okay, maybe I need some help. Whether a woman hasn't got that, that sort of ability, they've just got to go, oh, I've got to tease every bit of thing I can out of this technique so I get stronger. And I always found that women are easier to coach.
0: A hundred percent. If I'm, um, you know, me spending a lot of time in and out of gym, different gyms and with coaches, um, you know, it's kind of funny to kind of see the difference in coaching women over a, a younger man per per se like being specific now and like just thinking back to when I was 16 17 18 years old and like I thought I was fucking hot shit like I thought like I knew everything <laughs> and I, I was like give me the heaviest weight let's do it like I don't know about form I don't know about technique let's just get this thing because I want to beat the guy next to me and I was I was very competitive and you know that is just bread for um disaster and that's why I got so many fucking injuries I guess <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. And that's, that's a product of like, you know, testosterone, it's a product of like wanting to compete and be the best. All that stuff's right. You know, like, and it also brings on injuries. That's, that's what happens. You know.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. So I guess that kind of brings us to my next kind of question. What I want I, to ask was like, what makes a solid strength and conditioning program now? I know that's like a super broad kind of question, but like, mm. I'm, like how would you say what's a successful strength and conditioning program in your eyes?
1: Yeah, so you have obviously got to follow the, uh, the principles of training. You know, you've got six principles of training, um, and you want to make sure that like you're looking at all those principles when you're looking at a program. And you, you know, I like to go and look at the end goal and think like, okay, what am I trying to achieve here? What, what like, what's my point? And then I want to work backwards from that, you know. And then like, okay, like, what's my timeline? You know, who am I dealing with? Is it like one person or is it multiple people? and what's the best thing i can do for these for these guys and girls do i need like you know what's the minimum dose of strength work of power work of speed work you know how do i how am i going to best fit in all the the capacity work that i need to engage with you know like anaerobic and aerobic type of uh, sessions do i need more power uh, in terms of the aerobic or do i need uh do i need more you know like just endurance space or do i need more like just workload um and then I want to think about uh, injury-proofing the body as well. Like, how do I sneak all this stuff in and make it interesting? Because you want, in, in, in the end, adherence to any training program is the thing that makes it the best training program. So, you know, if I could give you skipping and push-ups, and you would do that to the letter, you would get a really good result. If I gave the same program to someone who wouldn't like, would do it two or three times a week, and maybe do their own thing then the program's the same, but the adherence to the program makes the difference. So I've got to make sure that like what I'm doing is actually doable for the people that I'm writing it for as well. Um, And I think too, sometimes, and it's no fault of our own because we're trying to address, you know, like a whole bunch of different things, but we can get too cool, too sexy, too soon. You know, like let's look at the population and think like, you know, do they need to be doing fucking like, bands and chains and you know, do they probably need a west side like conjugate method with, you know, geared and stuff, but probably not, you know, like um if they just did uninterrupted training for six months and I, I teased out all the things I could do, where would, would they be just as good? Yeah, you know, like that's what I generally see. And I get too that you need to make things interesting because then like adherence to the program continues as well. But um yeah, it's such a, such a juggling app for a coach, as you know. You know I like to say, like, I'm gonna uh, tell them what they want to hear and then give them what they need. Um, so I'll just like put my hand up over here and go, like, oh, look, what, you know, what's the rabbit, what's the rabbit? And over here, I'll be like, here you go, just what you have fucking doing, you know? Um, and it's what really helps sell things uh, in Perth as well. Like, when we started saying like, hey, this new program, this is what we're gonna do, we'll build you up, be nice and strong. Everyone's like, fuck them. Like, what do I want to do that for? And then the sales pitch was like, how do we sell it to a bunch of alphas that just want to like, you know, shoot more shit. And then that's, that's the end bit is like, you know what, we're like, Hey, who here wants to get more rounds on target, more accurate and like shoot more bad guys in the face. And they're like, yeah, and we're like, cool. All right. And let's like, let's do this. Like, that's what we need to do. That's so the sales pitch. You know, it's the sales pitch. I'm like, address your, address your audience and wrap it up in whatever you need to wrap it up and and off you go
0: that's that's exactly what i say to a lot of um coaches coming through when i'm i'm talking about marketing it's like cool like you know what these guys need but they don't care about that like they they don't think that's the sexy picture so they're not going after you know oh, well, why do i want to be strong like why do i do care about that but it's like cool you you want to sell you know look at the benefits not the features per se you know or the systems that you're using um and that way you can communicate way more effectively to like you said you know shoot more bad guys in the face you know everyone's going to raise their hands up in that that kind of environment where they're like oh shit like i didn't realize doing x y and z will mean that so that's pretty cool and i i love how um you mentioned how you can squeeze things in or like make sure that um you know especially you- going through your programming as well and understanding how you kind of have certain days for you know speed agility you know power you know etc depending on who you're working with um i never thought like that until i saw your programming and i was like oh wow that's an interesting concept and i i guess i kind of wanted to ask a little bit more about that is like um because i know like um in the past you know with being on some of your programming online we had you know. you know interval weight training you had um that was the first time i ever heard of that as well uh, which was really cool like you had descriptions around that um then you had strength days power days aerobic days um kind of give me give me your thoughts around like um that that that, that method per se
1: yeah so when i program I like and especially if, it, if it's a, like a hey can i give what what someone's perfect week look like you know like what can i do to make sure that they sort of get dosage of anything it was really interesting i listened to like a human Man podcast a few weeks ago maybe it's a bit longer but um and they had the dr andy galpin on and gilpin basically went back and and it was interesting because he was like hey you need to make sure you hit this proper training you want to hit these strength numbers you want to hit this and like as i was listening to it i was sort of like kicking off going "Fuck, like I've, I've hit these markers but it, it, and I, I did it because I was like, all right, so I need to make sure that like a minimum dose of speed each week is, is probably two to three sessions. So like, I just want to make sure these hamstrings get strong. And I look at sprinting as like a really robust way to say, prime the body, neuromuscular coordination before a session and hamstring priming strength. You know, so I'm like, okay, well, I can do that as part of a primer. I always think priming is a good thing to do when, when we're going into strength because I don't want the first thing someone feels um at the end of their warm-up is to be like this crushing load um i always err on the side of making someone stronger i think that's by far is like it's the fountain of youth and it's the easiest like low-hanging fruit to grab is like are you strong enough and everyone thinks they are and when you give them some universal numbers to hit you're like where are you in terms of that like yeah, nowhere near where you need to be and then people get this idea of like they, they confuse strength with science. So, when I think about strength, I don't picture like a big, bulky dude. I think when I think about strength, I think about like, you know, ligament, tendon, like the cross section being super, super strong. I think about bone density. You know, a strong guy could be that small, wiry dude climbing a mountain. It could be, you know, a, you know, like a power to weight ratio, like a, like a 75 kilo, you know, power lifter who's like ripped and strong. It could be, you know, the guy who's doing or the girl who's doing jiu-jitsu, all those type of things. Like that strength for me, like I don't see it in in size-wise. And if you want to get bigger, that's fine. And sometimes it's a byproduct of certain things. Um, But for me, strength is like muscle, tendon, ligaments, bone. That's how I think. Um, And then I think about like, okay, so how do I cram uh, some accessory work in there? At the same time trying to raise someone's aerobic you know uh, capacity now I look at it like throwing in accessory work and not having too much rest like it's still getting the volume volume is really good for ligaments and tendons or looking at making sure i hit a certain number of joints um push pull in a session and accessory movements that are aiding in what i want to achieve down the line as well um varying the exercises because as you know you know Muscles have an origin insertion. It doesn't matter what I do. The fact that shit's always going to be the same. So by doing a bicep curl, standing seated with like a little bit of a twitch in my arm or whatever it is, like you want to call it an arm or curl or press. It's still the bicep is flexing, extending. And I try to think about what's the best thing I can do for that thing this week, next week, and and just tweak things a little bit while keeping it interesting. Um, And then I want to make sure too that you know, I'm getting some actual speed and power now. Like, I want people to display athleticism because uh, the ultimate goal for me, for most people, is to go and use what they've done in the programming, uh, regardless of what it is, to go and display it in sport somewhere. Because that's the point. Like, um, you know, if the only thing you're doing is is training really hard to get trained really hard to be the fittest person in a workout, like that to me is a little bit strange. And that, but that's fine if that's what you're doing. But you know, I want to see people go and like be, come something better you know like don't use this new athleticism they found to go and Apply do it or yeah yeah do, do something cool with it um and then you look at energy systems you know like the it's funny like everyone's fucking using the word esd or the acronym esd these days it's great um but yeah you know, again i like didn't coin any of these phrases there or all things like iwt interval weight training i think that was invented in 1964. um and it's just a really easy way to add some strength some accessory work um, coupled with like a focus on the energy system you want. you know, And you can tease that out by the proper rest periods and the proper work um, that you've got in the conditioning piece. Uh, and, you Yeah, know, and that's for me like, yeah. And again, I've always said like an IWT, it's a bang for your buck. If you're only gonna do one type of session, that'd be really cool, you know, because you could go from doing the five, you know, a back squat of 85% and then hit 20, 30 seconds of, of a, a small effort rest two to three minutes and back on again, like you are going to get really strong, really fit, really conditioned, and you can mix and match the sets and the reps and whatever you want to do. You know, like again, like we were sort of talking about at the start, was like, you know, programming's science and art and the art form is like how you piece these things together for people. Um, and then I think people need to do like energy system work and they need to hit max heart rate and not be afraid of this max heart rate. The hardest thing I've ever had to do is try to explain to people like, you know, why can I hit 90, 95% of my max heart rate over 30 minutes? And, and why can I do it over 20 seconds? Like, well, you know, <laughs> man, like, it makes it pretty fucking simple? Like, if you get off the bike in 30 seconds or the rower in 30 seconds, you should feel the same way as when you get off in 30 minutes. Like, the duration is nothing. It's like how long you spend of that effort. Like, so I can be moving so slow, but because you know, my, my conditioning and my fitness is low, I may be upwards of 80%, 85% within a minute. The fitter I get, the harder that's gonna be. That means the harder I have to push. But like I can have two people side by side, one's conditioning could be right low, one's conditioning could be quite right high. The difference shouldn't be the meters. Like I'm looking at the percentage of max heart rate going, well, person B who's only gone 1K, works harder than person you know A who went 2K, because I can look at the percentage of work on their heart rate um that's a really easy way to put it across and i want to make sure that like i'm doing you know aerobic power stuff and i want to make sure i'm doing aerobic capacity stuff which is stretching out 30 40 minutes and a lower heart rate type of duration. um and then like i want to put people under duress in a workout too i want them to be like oh, how do i get the fuck out of here because building resilience and building you know a little bit of grit and determination is part of training as well like that's that's part of sport Part of like just throw yourself in hot water and be like, let's see what happens here. And then there are days, sessions that you're you're left wanting, and you're like, I did not have my best day today, and that's okay. And there are other times you walk out and you're like, fucking nailed that and I feel like on top of the world. It's like when you do jiu jitsu. like you walk in, then you can walk in thinking, I'm gonna have the best session, and you just get fucking tapped, choked by everyone, and then you walk in the next day and go you know what, this is shit, I hate my life. And then at the end of it, you somehow manage to pull a move that you've been trying to practice for you know for weeks and it comes off
0: and you're like, you know, I'm the best, you know? <laughs> than me. <laughs> you call your missus up, hey, it's red panty night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, and,
1: and it's funny, like, and, but that's, that's why I love, like, love to myself as well because it's just like, you know, it, it, it can just treat you like shit and then spit you out the other side or it can make you feel like a million bucks, you know? um and that's what programming should do as well but it, and like and again making sure that you validate your programming and that's why i test in all my programs as well because a, it's, it's a validation for me saying like i predict you know this is going to happen if i test at the end of the three months or whenever it is and it doesn't i'm like mm, okay i have got to have a look at what i'm doing here because i assume this would happen Or at the end of the three months, I'm like, yep, this is exactly where I need to be. And I'm going to go attack it again. And it's validating it for everyone as well. Because I want people to see exactly how far they've come. I think that's really important. It keeps people active.
0: 100%. That kind of brings me to my next point about testing. But um, because I've never really, within a program, I, I didn't think about testing like the way that you were testing. And I was like, oh, it makes so much sense to me. And um, before we go into that, I ha- I'll have to tell you a bit of a story or a bit of a kind of funny one. Um, when I first did my ESD on the bike, erg, right? Like um, I just bought it, it was like COVID just happened. And I was like, you know, everyone, everyone's uh, looking at, at like your so- the social media over east. I'm like, everyone's doing this bike, erg. I'm like, fuck all right, let's buy a bike, erg, right? bought that first session I did was an uh, ESD, like nb energy system development and it was like i saw the program it was like hold max heart rate for like a, a silly amount of time i've never done it before and i was like all right did the first round and i was like cooked and then my legs were so swollen that my <laughs> legs couldn't like pedal fast enough to get my heart rate up like high f- yeah. enough and i was like what the fuck is going on man yeah yeah
1: yeah you gotta make sure that damper is uh, is setting on like a, like a two or three I learned
0: my lesson. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the same as a rower or a ski, is it? Like you have it on a nine or ten, and you're like, sweet. You do that on a bike, and you're like, uh, I'm in quicksand here.
0: Yeah, 100. Yeah. percent And I went down quick, and I was so confused. I I got off the bike, and I was like, what? What the hell happened? I started calling <laughs> out all of my mates around like Perth, but who's strength condition? I was like, what the fuck just happened? Because I don't know what's going on. But um, coming back to <laughs> testing, um, how do you how do you test your athletes? You know, um, you know what's the be- like if an athlete came to you, if they were through the field or say combat, you know, sports, like how would you test them before you design a program for them? Well,
1: I'd look at like uh, why they come first As like, okay, so um, what do they want to get better at? You know, and you ask them a bunch of questions. Like we look at uh, NRL. So um, we want to look at a couple of tests and testing needs to be, you know, easy to validated. It needs to be repeatable. Um and you know you need and and there's no point collecting data for the sake of collecting data that's something you know like a valid test to me is not a test where you know like it, look at friends that that workout out that um twenty one fifteen nine so everyone uses that as a benchmark or or whatever the fuck they call it. however, I can automatically get better at this uh, at that same workout by not getting fitter or stronger. By just moving my bar closer to the pull-up station, you know, or getting technically better yeah. at, you know, doing a, a squat thrust or a thrust whatever it is, you know, like I don't have to get stronger, but I can have a better rack position, and I can have someone mess around with my my stance. I can put lifting shoes on, um, and suddenly I'm better now. You know, I'm not stronger from it. I've just sort of manipulated the workout to make it work for me. So I need testing to be like valid and that is like all right the parameters need to be set I need to make sure that like the testing environment is the same every time or as close to as it can be and then it needs to be valid for the person or for the for the sport. Um and then I need to make sure the data I pull off it is actually useful for, for the for the person and for the sport as well. There's no point you know looking to test a you know, uh, there's, no, yeah, there's no point look, looking at like putting in a 1500 meter swim for an NRL guy, you know, like that, that's just gonna suck balls. I need to make sure that like, first off they're happy to do it um and, you know, they see benefit in it as well. Like, you know, we, we're testing at the Roosters and the hardest thing is they're like, okay, so what's the one test or the two tests that we can get that gives us a bunch of data that we don't have to bother these guys every single like day with and like, now, what's the minimum dose of doing these tests to make sure that we can sort of validate the training program? So you can do mid by pulls, um, you can do stuff like what well, the game gives you a really good idea of where they are as well. You, know, you look at previous data for GPS um, with combat sports, um, you know, you look at the individual and think, like, okay, I, I'd love a power clean, I, I love, I think the Olympic lifts are great, but if a person can't power clean, wasting my time trying to spend 30 to 50 hours teaching them something. I'm like, oh, could I just spend those hours making them you know, stronger, fitter or faster? Probably. So how about I just get like a teach them how to do a high pull or I just do like a um, a jump squat with a, a trap bar, you know? Um, so I need to make sure that the person can do the test. And then I need to look at the energy systems and the, and the points behind it. Like, you know, if, if they're a, a completely anaerobic athlete at best, then testing aerobic capacity is, is sort of mute – you know, it's almost like, why would I do it to them? Um, you look at like MMA or, or Jiu Jitsu, like it's it's aerobic power because it depends on like, you know, you've got four or five minutes of a bounce, then you've got to like recover and go again, recover and go again. And it's, te- it's really technical. Um, so I'm, I look at grip strength for, for a combat athlete. Like I really want to see like, okay, well, I think grip, grip strength is a really good indicator of a bunch of things. It's even really good indicator of cardiovascular health. Um, and I look at leg strength is a really good thing, uh, and then agility. How I test that would depend on on the sport and the athlete as well. So it's a, it's a sort of looking at the person, looking at the sport, looking at the outcome, and then deciding: okay, what am I willing to do? What can I do with ease? And, and am I going to see this guy or girl in person every day, or am I going to do this online, or am I going to do this over like a you know it's going to be a wide space between us? So can I make sure that they know what they're doing? It's reliable data for me as well.
0: So there's a yeah a lot of variables that come into play with testing athletes, you know, like face-to-face, online, technique, form, um, you know, mm. the sport in general. So it totally makes sense. Now, um, I'm going to, for this next question I want to ask, I'm going to be selfish, and I'm just going to turn it tw- t- um, <laughs> towards jiu-jitsu. Um, so, with this, and you've been talking about this on your social media a bit, I've been kind of fascinated by, and I kind of, um, I think I need to look like, drill it in my mind a little bit more. You've been talking about the skill and, you know, strength conditioning ratio, you know, like skill is the most important thing. And, um, you know, coming from my background, you know, started in rugby and then kind of got injured in rugby, then went all into bodybuilding. Um, And now it's kind of trying to get my mind out of the whole, like, I have to train every single day with strength conditioning and then skill comes second where after listening to you, I'm like, holy shit, if I want to get really good at this skill set, I have to put that as priority. So what do you feel like is a good, you know, can you explain that a little bit more for the listeners here um, and like a split between skill and strength and conditioning?
1: Yeah, so I and mean, we'll take jujitsu to start with. Like it's highly technical and you can be the strongest guy out there like we've seen many, many times. And if someone is more technically minded than you, it, it, like you're in trouble. Like so the skill makes the difference and it's the same with like most sports is like the more technically minded, more skillful player will find a way to get through or get past or do whatever they need to do like the skill set really matters so you know the, the and, and, and there might be periods that so look, look at like um, you know leading up to a comp you might want to dedicate the first you know early part of it say so like it's coming up in three months you might want to spend uh, at least a, a chunk of your first six to eight weeks on strength and power. You know, when I look at jujitsu, I'm thinking like, okay, like we're going to go through like movements of like real slow, tedious work. And then I need to have like powerful hips. I need to be able to do a takedown. I need to make sure that like I have explosive power from certain positions. Um, and I want to work on that type of thing. And then what I need to do, like is, is like, I need to make sure that like my body's robust that my shoulders are intact, that my wrists are intact, my elbows intact, my knees, my hips are good to go because then I'll be able to roll again and again and again and again, and recover really well. Um, I need to make sure I'm, 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 tracking my weight because, you know, I don't want to be up a, a weight class and then just get barreled over by a behemoth that I can't fight because in those type of situations, and it happened to me in Perth where like, I should have just like, you know, just, Fucking taking a shit before I weighed in, but um I ended up in super heavyweight. And there's this really funny picture where there's like all these fucking tall six foot guys, and then there's like a drop, and then there's me, and then they all go up again. Um But yeah, it was the I was like a like not even a kilo over, and they were like they were just so strict. They're like, yeah, well, tough shit, mate. Like you're going in that comp, and I'm like, oh, good, oh, nice one. You know, so cutting the weight makes a big difference too. And you don't want to have to cut weight. And and like like amateur fonts, it's on the day. You weigh in on the day, you fight about five seconds later and it's just about, 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 Um, yeah. And and so when you're looking at like tempering out like what your training camp looks like, you've got to like think about like, I'm going to devote more time to it in the first six to eight weeks. And then I'm gonna go into a maintenance phase because my skill and my game plan has to take over as well. Also allowing the fact that like when I do train something like jujitsu, it's taxing, like it could be 60 to 90 minutes. And then I don't have to worry about my energy system because the skill and the and the training and the technique is taking care of that aerobic base and, and that type of energy system work. If I'm really lacking. In something like if you notice that you gas out in these types of things, you might want to look at like, hey, do I am I relaxed? Am I breathing the way I should be breathing? You know, do I panic in certain situations? If so, like, let's go back and see if we can quickly teach you how to down regulate and do some sort of like quick exercise when you get into a like a compromised position is to like, okay, remember, like, how, how do I calm myself down and then get out of this sort of thing? We'll put you in those positions until you get calm and stress inoculate. Um, and then, like, yeah, think about like, what's my game plan? Am I going to be a standing? Am I going to go stand and take down? But I'm like, like most of the time now, everyone just sits and you're like, oh, well, my fucking legs are out of this one. Like, now I've just got
0: to. Boot and I think they call it these days. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was <laughs> like a dog with an itchy ass just worming their way over. Um, so, know, yeah, like, and for me early on, it was like, I loved it when they stand because, like, I was just like hitting them with hip throws and shoulder throws from Judah. Yeah. And most of my fights would be over within, like, you know, I was a reverse Lumber Rousey where I was just like throwing people, getting them into a hole and just like, oh, I'll just squeeze this dude until like he just taps and just like, oh, that works. And then you go up against someone who's actually insane same strength and size and they're like, no, nah, you're not throwing me. I'm, like, oh, I'm just figuring out another move here. Um, but then that transfer over, like you think about it, like the more skillful you are, the harder you're going to work, the better you're going to be on the day. Now, different for a like a hundred meter runner, because you know, like a hundred meter runner, they need to be so technically minded. So it's like start finish, but their their energy system is that of ATP. Um, so they may do six sprints in a forty minute session, maybe you know, because you want them to you want them to run fast the entire time. So if I don't give them ten minutes, you know, in between efforts they're never gonna run at maximum speed because I'm looking at high end. I need to make sure that energy system is completely filled up again. In that time I get them to do some active like technique work and things like that. But then my my skill transfer, I've got really limited time. And also I'm like, I don't want to, I've got to be very careful at maximal speed because you know I don't want to like blow a hamstring or do any type of injury. So I've got to plan out my sessions. The B like BJ is really simple for me. Like I look at someone roll. And then I think, like, well, what's your what's your biggest issue? Like, oh, like I, is it technical? Because then you need to go and spend more time on the technique and, and, like, become better. Or is it, like, I know I get gas really fast or my strength isn't there. Like, I haven't, you know, I work really hard on my grip strength because it's the number one thing you can control. And also, too, like, if you've got, like, proper man-sized hands, you're in a good spot. If you've got, like, some of those weirdos out there that like like, little hands, which is fucking scary. Um, but, you know, like, they need to work on grip strength a lot. Um, so you need, yeah, I think you need to address it. But I think, like I talk about the skill transfer, is like you know, don't let the don't let the weights roam or don't let your strength conditioning get in the way of your skill. And you don't want to be fatigued when you're doing that skill stuff either. Like it should be a value add to your training. Um, and then timing is really interesting as well. And combat sports beats you up. You know, that's why you've got to be smart with like, do you need to straight bar back squat? Would you know? Could you just box squat? Really simple. You probably could, you know. So I love belt squat as well. Like a belt squat, you know, takes the load off the spine, makes it really easy to squat, and you get a whole lot of leg strength out of it. You know, am I probably better off getting a sandbag, picking that thing up, squeezing the shit out of it, and squatting with a sandbag because the carryover to what I'm going to do is probably a little bit closer, you know. And and does my one RM back squat or spending too much time on that, is that going to carry over to a sport that's predominantly on their back? Maybe, maybe not am i better off just teaching this guy or this girl to be like really explosive like a hip thrust you know off the floor would be better you know like an isometric hamstring type of work would be really really good you know making sure that you know am i to work on mobility as well um isometric type of stuff it's like all oh, they're the things i would tease out but then i would want to keep going back and be like all right so how much time have i got with you during the week you know what many time times you going to roll when are you going to roll have you planned in your recovery? You know, and I'm talking like passive and active recovery. Have you planned in good sleep? Have you planned in your nutrition? Mm. You know, what's your lifestyle outside of that look like? And by lifestyle, are you married with kids or you're single and you live like a, a monk? You know, all that sort of stuff. Like those things play a huge part because if you haven't ticked off nutrition, sleep and recovery, it's fuck all I can do for you really.
0: Wow, okay, that's, a, that's an interesting point. So say you would look at, you know, Mixed martial arts, MMA guy, jiu-jitsu guy, you look at the training sessions and then you would look at the recovery for that first and then yeah. look at strength conditioning?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because then if I, I don't want to like... so I've been doing it wrong this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> what well, you think about, you know, you go from rolling, say, three or four times a week and then if you... Depends on where you tag in your, your S&C stuff around that. But if you don't give yourself enough recovery... You're not training it maximal it's like you know running around with a gas mask on it feels hard but you're you're training sub maximally because your gas so easy so it's like it's like running with a weight vest it's hard but you're not running fast and you're not, you're not mm. being optimal you know like get strong and then as soon as you can hit the speed and the, the effort you want to then make it a little bit more difficult but don't teach yourself to run slow or be slow or be fatigued and then be surprised when you fight like you're fatigued and shit,
0: you know? Yeah, 100%. um, I think um, I came into when I, you know, coming from a bodybuilding kind of perspective or, you know, the bro sesh kind of thing. And I was like, oh yeah, like I want to go into an MMA gym. And then like I had much larger lats than most guys and they were just getting (laughs) underhooks and I was like, "Why yeah. am I getting thrown around like a fucking rag doll?" And like these people were just sliding underhooks in me. I'm like, "I, I was so confused, and I just couldn't get my my underhooks in these skinny guys." <laughs> but these guys were just dominating me, and I'm like, "Okay, maybe my mass isn't functional for this job." Okay, now I need yeah. to rework my mindset. So that was a big thing for me, and especially listen to your, you know, you know, um, your podcast in the um, in the past. I was like, "Man, like." The way that you described, you know, performance and, you know, like you said, you know, being able to use it, not just look at, like, that's a yes. big thing. And I think, like, when I was growing up, you know, you know, all it was was for girls attraction. Like, all I want to do was, like, go out and go get it. 100%.
1: All dudes are lying if they, if they say anything else. Like, no one walks into a gym and is like, geez, I want to be functionally fit. Like, <laughs> bullshit. You want a good rig. So yeah, I um, think that chicks are going to be like, "Wow, like, what are you bench bro?" And really, the only people that come up to you are other gym dudes that are like fucking sweet bro. You're looking big, and you're like, oh, "Not really." I was asked, but alright, yep.
0: That's exactly <laughs> what happened. Mike, my, my cousin, came over from UK. He was ripped. He was a soccer player. He was getting all these girls. I was getting none, and I was like, "Maybe that's the difference." And so I just sure, started sure. going to the gym, and then all of a sudden, I had all my. All these new male friends around me, what the fuck happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's it, because dudes are more keen. Like, you know, the amount of people that will like, hit me up in the street and just be like, oh, bro, like, you, what do you do? You're, you're big. I'm like, mate, like, this is weird, but I guess we're going to have a conversation here. I got stopped the other day at a set of lights by this, this guy, and he was like, bro, do you play rugby? I'm like, no. He's like, wow, look at your arms. And I was like, mate, this is getting, oh, I'm embarrassed. Like, thank you. And he's like, looking so good. And I was like, oh, Good. Have a good day. Have a good day. Thank you. <laughs> you know, my girlfriend jokes all the time. She's like, you're yeah, like the mayor of Sydney. She's like, people will just start speaking to you and asking stuff or will say hello. And, and I'll be like, I don't know who that person was. But, oh, that you
0: know, is so good. funny. Oh, it's, um, it's a weird way. It's a weird thing that it happened. But, um, yeah, it's, um, uh, when I realized that I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, it's, um, you know, it, it, this, this whole gym isn't working out for me as what I <laughs> thought it would, but, um,
1: Bodybuilding around- is one of those things too, where like you, the goal is to put muscle bulk on, and it doesn't like, and it's functional for the sport, you know, that's what it is. Um, but you can get super, super tight, and you become like really, you know, not as flexible as you need to be. Um, so th- that's what it can be quite difficult, because um, I mean, that's where we all started. Like, I, that's exactly where I started too. With like, you know, I got a magazine, I saw that like. was doing this workout i'm like oh i'm going to go there and that's what i'm going to do like and that's how we trained in military for a really long time too it was like oh we're going to do five sets of 15 of this and then four sets of 15 of this and then we're going to go like chest back bars you know like legs was done on the smith machine because we didn't know how to squat um and it was like how much can you leg press bro like that's the strongest thing you can get like
0: That's it. That's
1: it. it, It's yeah. It's funny how sport just fucking shines a light on just how inept you are in certain things, isn't it? Like that's why I love it so much.
0: Did Um, you ever buy the um the Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding? Bro, I've got it. Like I'll
1: never let that thing go. Yeah,
0: I got some. It's got some dust on my one, but um, I, I went through it the other day and I was like, man like so much has changed in terms of, you know, nutrition and, you know, training, but, um you know, just to go back and see that stuff. I'm like, wow, it's pretty, it's pretty cool to see what those guys were doing to get those types of physiques. But um I think a lot of, a lot of things have changed since more science has come out since then.
1: No, it's, it's so funny. Like I um was packing some book up the other day and I was like, Holy shit. Like here it is. There's a the thing. And I've got like little tags in it. Um, where I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to remember this. I'm going to remember this. I'm Study
0: this. it. Yeah, that's... You Um, you mentioned uh, about some injuries, and I wonder, like, what's your opinion on, like, working around injuries for, like, you know, field and combat, but also tactical athletes as well? Because I know, like, I guess at the start of this conversation, we were talking about that pretty sure, like, obviously, I'll, I'm not in the military, but, you know, injuries in being in that kind of field or industry, um, tactical athletes and field, like how do you work around these injuries per se, if you're working with an athlete?
1: Yeah, so with an athlete, you look at like, you know, so with the lead athletes, so these boys play with injuries all the time. So, you know, you can get injections, you can get like, and as long as it's not a, you know, the injection won't make things worse, you inject it make sure they can play through. And at the end of the season, are uh, surgery time. that like off you go, uh, And that happens um there's a really good distinction to make is that sport isn't healthy like sport and health is two different things so i would never prescribe a lifestyle or like the the daily or weekly training like an athlete goes through if you want to be healthy so Mm -hmm. it's not healthy to go and run 100 k's an hour at someone else get tackled and fuck yourself up because you know if, if if everyone saw what these guys go through daily just to get themselves ready to a first off the train twice a day and then b to go and put themselves out in the field you know, who the fuck would do that like and you know they're they're going to go through knee reconstruction they're, they're guaranteed three to four major injuries in their career like that's if they're lucky you know um so you you, you look at it like oh, how can i do it um in the best possible way, not to make not to make sure I cause any harm to anyone else, but then like, what can I get away with? So you're like, hey, will any plans pick this up, or will I just ice it, or like, can I just physio the shit out of this and can you limp your way through the season? And then it's so like for the tactical athlete guys, no one wants to mention or tell anyone that they're injured either, because then you might miss out on the trip. So the funny thing was is when. Um, uh, yeah when we, we sort of closed down from afghan and then suddenly for the first time in decades everyone was home on base we like first off you're like and why, why is it so busy but generally because you had one squadron going away another squadron training one squadron home it, there was always so much room and then suddenly I'm like the gym's busy the mess is busy like the car park's busy like you know and then when it was like, hey, tool's down, we're, we're pulling out, we're not going away anywhere. It, like Everyone's like, oh, by the way, I might as well get this shit fixed. Um, so you had guys that had ACL ruptures and they were just like, oh, yeah, I'm just strapping my knee every time I go out. I'm strapping my ankle every time yeah, I go wow. out. Like, yeah, I can't really put my arm above my head, but I better get that checked. Um, and also you're dealing with like fucking tough dudes. that Like, you know, I remember once one of my mates, uh, parachuting, uh, didn't call it an accident, just had a, like a malfunction. Comes in and just realized, like, Oh my legs are feeling a bit funny. And I go, What happened? he goes I jumped out and we ended up hitting the wall and all sorts of shit. And we're like, Oh, um, have you gone to see the physios? He's like, Nah, it's just like I walked over here, I ran over here, like I should be sweet. He was squatting in front of me and he's like, Just a bit of a sting. And I was like, Let's just go get an x ray. Like, what's the harm? And he texted me back, he's like, Bro, broke my leg, broke my leg. Yeah, like, <laughs> Um, so you know, and then another guy, uh, like, was doing some boxing and this guy kept on buckling. And I was like, How often does that happen? He's like, oh, I've been happening for months. He goes, Just like, i think the quad just gives way. Anyway, they scanned it at MRI and they right. they're like, Mate, you've got a complete rupture of your ACL. Like, and he's like, Oh yeah, but the first thing with ACL is like, the pain comes initially, and then the next day it's gone. The swelling's pretty gone as well. Um, it's just the initial part Um but you, you're trying to manage these things as best you can. Now, it, it, tactically, you're like, all right, like, you're looking at, like, what can I get away with? And unfortunately out there, like, if you can't do your drug properly, it's going to it's gonna stick out. So you're just looking at, like, all right, what minimum time I need away, okay. And most of the time it's taken out of your hands because once MRI'd, the doctors are like, no, no, you're no longer fit. Like, you know, so, um, but for me, like, um, so uh, I've got, like, Shoulder issue and I will have, Um, I've had some ankle issues. And then what I usually do is that like, I don't look at the scan, I'll get my scan and I'll take it to the physio. And and, um, I took my latest, my, my ankle one, which I had like two years ago, I fucked it up. I dislocated it, it didn't look, didn't feel good. Did the scan and I was like, just tell me like what I can do. And he just went, right. He goes, all right, well the stuff that was there that isn't there anymore, um, and he's like don't think weeks think months and he's like you'd be okay but it'll take your time and that's it same thing when they like they looked at my shoulder the doctor just goes i won't say anything to you if there's nothing we can do we'll just carry on like you know because there's no point telling you oh you've got all this shit in there because if you can get away with doing everything now it's, it's not causing you too much issue then like by saying like oh yeah that thing's full of arthritis you start to feel it anyway and Tom and, and his name is uh, Tom Longworthy. You should everyone should Google Tom Longworthy, find his Instagram, and then fucking tease him as much as you can. Tom's like one of the best uh, sports doctors there is, uh, he's, he's excellent. But, um, he, yeah, he on my shoulder and he's like, oh, I need something if there's something we can do about it. And he just went, Oh, fuck me, look at this, look at the screen, look at this. And there's a big dent in my humorous, there's a bursa there. And I was like, Can we fix that? And he goes, Well, we can't fix much of it, but. Look, it's cool. It's cool to look. Look, look. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so, and, and he was he was really good at just saying like, hey, you know, if it's causing you no issue, sometimes getting things operated on can cause more of an issue. Like it can be worse for you. Um, you know, like um, like my my girlfriend has a latent like it's very slight a slight one um, and it's just about like okay well what happens when when you get something like that and we still don't know why but let's say you've got a leg and tear in your hip and um you have your glute and your hamstring switch off so everything becomes quite quad, quad dominant hip dominant so all that the posterior switches off and they don't know why it just happens um so what happens that ball and socket starts to really rub and impinge on the front there so every time you're squatting your hinge or do anything like it, it becomes quite painful so what you do is then like all right go in there and have a look and you think oh i'll ingest it with some cortisone and because pain inhibits movement because you go to squat and you're like oh, fuck that's no good i don't like it take the inflammation away take the the, the 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 your ability to you can start to move again you may not feel it it's still going to be the same injury but you can start to reactivate gluten hamstring that's going to drag the ball and socket back and it's going mm-hmm. to stop the impingement. so you use things like cortisone or prp to activate and to prime to get the body working again or reinvigorate the healing process. So a whole bunch of things you can do. Um, activation is one of those things. Let's, let's say you have a knee injury. You've got to be very, very careful that anything above or below that joint doesn't get affected because that's how the body works. It'll zigzag its way up. Like You might do your left ankle. The next thing you know, you're like, oh, my what right knee's hurting. It's because you've been you know, limping a little bit funny. Yeah, um, compensating pain. Yeah, yeah, and, and sometimes it'll zigzag. Sometimes it'll go straight up. Um, you might get a sore shoulder, and I always look at someone's ankle and then just ask, "You're like, hey, have you ever had ankle and knee injuries?" Like, yeah, yeah, did my right knee. And you're like, all right, well, that means that it's probably zigzag this way. Um, you know, like if you ever get pain in your left lower back, it's because your right foot dominant. You know, it's because you're pushing way more through your right. And what's happening is that your left-hand side, your lower back is slowly starting, trying to stop the talk that's happening through the other side. So you go like, oh, my left lower back hurts. And usually I'm like, okay, let's have a look at that right foot and see what's happening there. Let's have a look at the left foot and see what's happening or well, what's not happening there because the body will address and stop the torque. So it's really, really good at compensating. And usually what happens with injuries is that when an injury happens, somewhere along the chain, your body's like trying to fix things and like... So like oh, I'll accommodate here, I'll accommodate here. And then eventually it can no longer accommodate. And that's when you get like this injury stuff. Like you people will be like, fuck, I've trained like this for years and nothing's happened. Like, yeah, something like your body's just like fixed itself and you'll stop moving a certain way. you know it's in jiu-jitsu. Like you get an injury, you know, with a shoulder. And you just don't you find a way not to put that arm up. You're like, all right, well, I'm not gonna put it out there because I don't want to get it fucking like ripped off and dragged up. So I'm just going to keep it in close and I'm going to like do a lot of fighting with my other hands. You know, my mobility, my shoulders, my right one's pretty good. My left one, like, you know, I don't think I've scratched the back of my head for a decade. Um, but when I when I grapple, like my hand's always in front. If someone goes to grab my left hand, like I'll just naturally roll on it. So I've learned how to fight with my, my right hand side and then like, you know, and I've made everything around it strong because like I'll get taps as soon as I hold on to it. If anyone ever sees me in a comp, just
0: leave the left hand one Everyone knows your weakness now, but um, yeah, it's it's funny. Like your game evolves with the issues, right? Like, like f- for example, yeah, like I I tore my um AC uh, joint, and like you know, um, just trying to figure it out and figure out. Okay, with well, this position sucks, Dick. Okay, cool. Let's move on to this one. Okay, well, this isn't too bad. Let's try and do this, and then as soon as I get in a compromised position, I'm just like, yeah, man. Like, I admit defeat, like, let's keep moving on. Because the worst thing is, is, like, getting tapped out and, like, you know, not being able to actually continue with training anymore. Because that's, like, a psychological, like, warfare in your mind, like, of not being able. Like, I don't know. As soon as I started jiu-jitsu, like, as soon as I started getting pretty good with this, I'm a very competitive guy. And as soon as I met, like, another male who was kind of the same level as me. If I was injured, I would be sitting at home thinking of that guy, and he's getting better. I'm just getting angrier and angrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh. I had the same where, like, I was um, with this guy where, where I was rolling, and he was getting like he was, he was getting really aggressive, like, and he basically got his, his forearm and just like you know over my nose, onto my lip, and I thought like I thought it, like like I'm gonna lose my teeth here, you know. So I tapped, you know, and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, to work, to work, and I, like I was just thinking to myself, I'm for the rest of the night, I'm gonna fucking try and snap every part of you if I can. So I just kept going for him. Every time we had like, I'm like, yeah, come on, let's go, let's go then. I just kept submitting him, submitting him, so, and purely for my own ego, just because I'm like, if you get me once, I've got to get you ten times. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm gonna have nightmares, you know. And I'm gonna be like you piece of shit, like you're not worth anything. Um, but then that's the whole reason, like, I'll roll with guys that are 10 times better than me. I'll find a guy who, you know, I always try to roll with really tall guys because my, like, game, my, uh, like, long levers, it's so hard to deal with, you know. So if I can somehow manipulate and learn off these guys how to do it, um, yeah, so I think for me, it's always a bit, it's just about, like, oh, how do I... How do I make sure that gap of learning isn't too much? Like, how, how do I like shorten the gap? And with injuries, it's about like a really, really interesting thing to do is like, you know, uh, do I take like a soft tissue injury three to six weeks, and everyone's always like, oh, I should be okay. And I always say these days, and like the same with like, you know, uh, putting weight on a bar. Like, is that extra five kilos and the risk of you snapping yourself for six weeks worth it? And if it is, great, do it. But if it's not, if it's like, what do you think being consistent for the next six months is going to be mm-hmm. better off for well, you do that? Yeah. And taking three weeks off or five weeks off of JITS so your body heals, you know, as much as that sucks, it's better than having to take like, oh, I've got to go have surgery now and I'll see you next year, you know. So I, always, I look at like, you know, in terms of that. And, and you know, in, in field sports too, or like especially in NRL, unfortunately, the mechanism of injury is never going to get taken out in playing with jiu-jitsu. You're, you're playing continually with like a, not about, maybe it will happen. It's just like when I get injured, I'm going to have to learn how to deal with it.
0: Yeah, I think um I had to learn that like a big way through ego as well was especially within business, right? Like I was that type of guy to just, balls to the wall, red line it, you know, like no sleep, just work, 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 work. And then all of a sudden I burn out for a long period of time. And then I, I really understood the, um, the idea of like consistency like small consistency over time will be any sort of big ramp up and then big decrease like that and then i was like well it's exact same as training you know if i have to take a step back strategically to move forward you know within the next few months well that's a better kind of option for me and i think that was a big learning curve for me and especially transitioning to from more sports to bodybuilding towards more mma now is like learning and understanding like I guess we're all on that journey and trying to remove that ego as well um that was a big thing for me learning moving into the, the on the mats pretty much
1: yeah well it teaches you like it humbles you doesn't it I humbles
0: you. oh 100 when first time i did jiu-jitsu a girl fucking choked me out and i was like well i guess i gotta learn this now <laughs> <laughs> it's,
1: it's cool it's the best it's the best lessons you can learn
0: 100%. And you being a bigger guy, do you ever find it hard to, um, I don't know about you, but like when someone looks at you, they're like, oh, fuck, I don't want to go with this guy because he's fucking huge. So like, do you find it hard to like yeah. find training partners or, you know?
1: Yeah, I'll- well, you always get the fucking, like the instructor, just like, he just goes to, so like I, I trained with this guy with Charles Necromonto and Charles is like a, you know, Brazilian black power, um world champ a few times over and just, and he's good at pairing people up um but he'll be like when we roll he'll be like hey let's go i'll be like uh oh, all right oh, this this will be five minutes where i'm going to get tired and a knot and pretzels um but i always look for the guy or girl who i know that's going to challenge me i always want to look for the higher belt um and and i'm always like i'm, I'm there to learn and i'm, I'm i don't want to be that that guy that you know treats it like it's a fucking ufc championship and if if there's you know, and I always have this like, I'll have a quick like, hey, you know, let's just like, let's just, I, I, you know, can you show me or let me know what's going on? And where I go, like I uh, train at a SJJ um, A and um, Zetland, the guys are so good. They're just like, hey, we're Once you're in a position and you and you're not sure where to go, like whether it's a blue belt or whatever it is, I'll be like, hey, put your arm here, go around the back. Like, air, yeah, fuck that's it, that's perfect. You know, they'll they'll help you the whole way through. And I've been at other places where. No one's there to help. You know, everyone's there to crank your neck off and yeah. you just walk away like, I didn't learn anything other than like, I could probably not black out for another 30 seconds. That'd so be that fit, you know? Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I just like to go and just to, to make sure, like I run with like, Fitzy, like Craig Fitzgibbon who's, um the uh, Sharks coach. And fifty like this wiry fucking guy. He's like his legs and his arms are just at like the same thing, and he's worked a really good like ground game and leg locks because his shoulders are ruined, you know. So he, just every time I try to like try and like get on top or do anything, I just fucking like it's like I've got eight k's of like Edward Edward a hand stuff to go through. It's really fucking hard. um We did this like we did this shit thing to Boido, Um last year like we went to brisbane it was magic round and then me 50 and boydo were like let's go early and go roll we'll find the stuff and just just great so we rang up this gypsy place turns out this guy was like a pride ex-pride fighter or something and then he was like oh yeah we'll do a like um like it's just a single we'll do like a one-on-one session and then 50 and I were like oh Boydo, you can go with that dude <laughs> we'll be able to go over here and just like old man wrestle." And we were in stitches, so for 40 minutes we kept looking over and all we could hear was like Bordeaux go, ah 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 ah, ah, ah. he just he was getting corks food. And we were in stitches of like so I was like hey fifty uh fifty percent wrong. Yeah, no yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice
0: was like that nah, that was fucked,
1: ah, like that was, yeah. <laughs>
0: um oh what a stitch up! that's hilarious yeah, um i got yeah. i got one more question for you Kev, all right so this one um i just love throwing out there so you only have a thousand bucks in your wallet right and you want to get a home gym or you want to set up your home gym what are you going to buy for that thousand bucks man
1: um it's a tough one like a thousand what do you get for a thousand bucks now um, like in covert um,
0: prices like maybe a barbell if you're lucky
1: <laughs> yeah yeah um I think if I that have one bit of equipment, like um, I think like one bit of equipment at the at the moment, like uh, a, like a belt squat machine for me has been like, like it's a huge game changer, um, because you can get good leg strength if you're smart. You can do a lot with it, um, but it, it allows you like versatility because you do single leg stuff. Um, you can do a lot of hip stuff. You can do a lot of hamstring stuff, um, and yeah, it it just seems to be, to me like it like I've fixed so many people with that machine. Um so it's one of those things like I'm I'm setting up a home gym at the moment as well. And like that was like with my missus and the other's the only thing I was like, I don't care what we get, like a one-about spot, one about spot, one about spot. So like we've got a power rack, we've got this got my yeah, sweet. like, first off, I can't squat on a, on a squat bar because my arm doesn't get back there anymore. Like I can either safety bar squat, or if I'm lucky on a good day, if I get like a bent bar, one of those duffalo bars, I can sometimes get two fingers on it. Um, so I'll, that's the way I squat these days, and, um, or a cambered bar, it's like, you know, scares the shit of me when I squat. Um, But I guess versatile was, like what I did in COVID was that like I was trying to pick things that really did really well. Like I I love the uh, trap bar. That's really versatile. You can walk with it. You can do jump squats with it. You can do like heavy lifts with it. And it's more of a squat than it is a deadlift anyway. But, you know, if you can hinge properly with it, you can RDL. Um, You know, you can do some shoulder pressing with it. I think versatile, versatility-wise, the trap bars are really good piece of equipment. And also a sandbag, like those road Strongman bags. Very, very, very good. You know, um, they're excellent as well. Um, and yeah, and again, a kettlebell. I think, you know, a couple of heavy kettlebells and you can really get away with a fair bit. Um, so it shouldn't lock down for me. do I have, I think i got a bike erg, a trap bar, um, a fat bar um and sandbag and some dumbbells
0: and you had some bands uh, as well hey
1: yeah yeah but i went to bunnings to get a whole bunch of shit too so i went and got chains from bunnings um i got a whole bunch of like heavy fucking shackles and weird shit that i was like oh i'm gonna see what i can do here and make stuff a little bit awkward and, and uncomfortable with as well um a wheelbarrow i think a wheelbarrow is a really good way to go like you can fill that shit up and walk it um you know i got uh I was very very careful like i've got you know uh stuff from my army days but it's not not a cool look to walk around in body armor um <laughs> so you've got you've just to kick. On i'm the sure some alone.
0: some crossfitters will argue that point actually <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: nothing like sitting on a assault bike with a fucking a weight vest on to just make no thing at all make sense but um yeah yeah
0: i yeah. think i got um I, I was able to whip up in covid i got um Race down to the local like gym facility that was sold everything was gone it was like like everyone for themselves and I, I managed to get a 28 kilo kettlebell i was stoked with that i got a trx um row and then um yeah. i think it was like a 25 kilo sandbag and that was it and like that that was like top of the like top of the range pricing as well they were charging like five bucks a kilo <laughs> But I was like, I'll just get whatever you've got. And then luckily they had a bike erg online and I just, whip, I got the last one. And I was like, boom, see you later. Yeah.
1: Yeah, look, I always think with, with you know, endurance stuff, it's better to do something that like, with, I think with a bike, like I always think like my shoulders are sore, I can still ride a bike. You know, if I have a ski, I really like, it's a lot of wear and tear on the shoulders, and I love a ski as well. And with a relative too, like the flexion extension, if I'm lifting a lot and I'm sitting in that bent position and most people... Don't use their legs on the roller, They use their they use their arms and their, and their back. So I always think a biker is really good. Those road uh, echo bikes are awesome. But if you're a, if you're not a strong guy or girl, they can be almost pointless because if you haven't got the strength to produce the power and the watts that you need to ride with. But so I think like the bike is are, are, are very very cool. Um, yeah, I think same with a sandbag, you can, you can do lots with a kettlebell and a sandbag and a biker, you can have a lot of fun. Like Again, it all comes down to like, uh, you know, your imagination. And then in, in lockdown, the idea is like, basically, how do I not spend all my time on Pornhub? And that was like, you know, that's fucking... Yeah, that's basically I think what look, a lot of guys are going through um like how do I not waste my day there um sorry if i hurt heard anyone's um, no 100% percent i sure there's like 99% of guys out there just laughing right now but um you know like it's just about like what can I do it's just got boring like push-ups and pull-ups you know and running like I'm sure every physio across the land was pumped with COVID because they were like still dealing with the injuries of you know like the gross negligence of people's you know volume in terms of running um but yeah oh yeah
0: i loved how it it forced everyone to think outside the box that's what i loved about it i was like yeah like what can i do with as little as i can um worst case scenario like i had i had a patio with a bar like and i was just doing pull-ups from that and then i was like cool if i can do that i could do squats i can do push-ups like like there's so much cool stuff like just walking around the house what's heavy what's odd okay let's do a transverse like you know all these different things that you can do with it so um but, um kev like we're running out of time but i just bought a ticket to your webinar coming up um it sold out it went <laughs> Didn't fucking like PayPal, like, thought you were a scammer because it sold out so quick or something? It
1: like that? Did, yeah, I had to go and talk to PayPal because I was like, oh, you yeah, know, there's all these, these bits of money coming in them in, in a matter of like hours and they shut it down saying, like, oh, no, it must be something dodgy. So I had to get on the phone with someone who wasn't from Australia um, and explain myself. And then I had to be like, hey, you can Google me or you can go on my Instagram. Go on like, a man's S-S-S- health. You know, yeah, you go. Yeah. I don't look like that anymore. I had the hair back then, um, but yeah, like, like yeah, that, yeah, PayPal. Like, they were pretty good. They, like the next day, they opened it up afterwards. Like as I realised that I wasn't like selling anything dodgy over the internet, but um, yeah, sold it really quick, which is really cool. So I'm doing a webinar on um, on programming basics and and, and like uh, barbell basics, um, and that's next week, next Tuesday, and then. A couple of weeks after that, I've got um, a good friend of mine, Trav Tuma, who's uh, he was 13 years with um, the Sydney Roosters, there as a high performance manager, and then he's now works for South Sydney. And we're going to go through speed or acceleration and then the programming and implementation of, of that type of stuff. Um, yeah, and then... Um, so, yeah, the, the webinars are, like, something that um, I've been looking to do for a while, and I think it's, a, yeah, just trying to like I think everyone can sit in there. They always get recorded. You get a uh, um, you get the recording as part of the webinar as well. So you can go back and, and listen to my monotone voice as many times as you want. Um,
0: <laughs> so yeah, guys, and, if you uh, want, uh, yeah. the, the, the strength one is sold out, but the speed one you haven't released or opened applications up yet. But no, um, yeah. Yeah, well. yeah, what I'll do guys is I'll link um, Kev's Instagram below in the keynote, so you can just um, go follow him and then he'll release. You release all your sort of stuff in terms of webinars on Instagram. Hey, that's your main kind of point of contact?
1: Yeah, I'm just putting the, the, the like website. Not, no, I don't think anyone visits websites anymore. I don't know, I don't like opening sort of on Instagram. But yeah, it's the easiest way to, to, to hit the platform. Um, and then I will sell the webinar on the website as well afterwards. Um, just as if someone wants to, to pick it up. But yeah, they'll all be open to on Instagram.
0: Awesome. And um, potentially maybe mentoring spots as well. So if anyone maybe wants a little bit more help, if they're a coach and they want to kind of go down the route of more strength conditioning or learning and upskilling themselves, that might be a potential um, opportunity in the future with you. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. So in, in the next couple of weeks, um, I'll, I'll open up to a mentoring program, which will be six months um every two weeks we'll get together and it will just progress through the idea there is that the, like you know you come up with cert three or cert four and you realize very quickly that you you know you're prepared uh, or you are ill prepared for, for what needs to happen you know um, and that's through no fault of anyone's it's like that's 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 the standard you need to hit to do there's no else to do uh no else to go so do a mentoring program the idea is then like at the end of six months, like you you should be well on your way to being more like, like I guess a well uh, well-versed coach in not just basics, but I want people to walk away with like a good understanding of intermediate to advanced programming, you know, speed, power, biometrics, py- uh, all those type of things. It it's taken me 20 years to to get wrong and right. Um, but hopefully I can I can pass on to everyone else um, <laughs> a lot faster.
0: <laughs> so, guys, if you want to, um, yeah, check out Kev. Go check out his Instagram. It's just um, in below in the keynotes and hit him up if you're interested in one of those webinars or mentoring programs. But Kev, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, man, and spending um, some time with me and um, answering all my questions, <laughs> all my selfish questions, pretty much.
1: <laughs> no, not at all, man. My pleasure. Uh, I love the platform. I love what you do. I think it's really important. It, it, it's it's great, yeah, and. Um, the more guys like you that are out there um, spreading a good message it's like it's exactly what we need.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Kev. I appreciate it. I'll speak to you soon, buddy.
1: Thanks, mate.